Gabriella Balcom won the right to have a novel published by Clarendon House Publishing when one of her stories was voted best in the anthology in which it appeared. Her book, On the Wings of Ideas, came out following this. What's your favorite genre? Fantasy? Horror? Sci-fi? Romance? Literary fiction? This multi-genre collection of short stories includes all of that and more and has something for everyone. Gabriella's stories will alternately move you and bring you to tears, captivate or horrify you, and have you on the edge of your seat. Don't miss out. Be sure to get a copy today. All her life, Joan placed herself into the hands of men who failed her. Joan does the unthinkable for a woman in 1960, leaving her small town of Gainesfield. As an accomplished musician, Joan served her country in the first ever women's Air Force band, San Antonio, Texas. She unwittingly becomes part of a brainwashing experiment. After her Air Force service, returning to society is particularly hard for Joan, so much so that she has spent a good deal of her life in a mental institution. As a patient in a VA hospital, Joan is found murdered. Small-town secrets, whispers behind closed doors, stolen records, serve to solve the mystery of what the hell happened to Joan. This book is a work of fiction, but very well could have happened. Gabriella Balcom's thrilling sci-fi novella, The Return. The world doesn't know about the compound hidden underground and the wealthy investors funding it want things to stay that way. Although it's the year 2027, most of the facility's research is illegal. If animal rights activists had an inkling of what went on, they'd clamor for justice. Human rights activists would scream from the rooftops. By the time 2030 arrives, Researchers have worked for a while with feline service units and human replicas, HRs, who are virtual prisoners with no rights. More and more of them are dying and they long for freedom. Surprisingly, one of the top scientists isn't happy with the status quo either. Tensions are mounting and things are not as they appear. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Carry on my way, what's up? There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Don't you cry. Hey everybody and welcome to Lupa's Bits. I am your host Lupa Barty and this is episode 77. Now before I dive into anything I must say this. The opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Jason Modcast podcast show or the Jason Dark Myth Company. Okay that being said welcome to the show that I was supposed to do last week. Spirituality versus religion. Can a relationship with mixed interfaith, or with an interfaith mix, work? Um, well, <laughs> that depends. So, first of all, let's define the difference between 
Um, okay, well, first, before we get into anything, let me ask the live studio audience, because he never seems to remember, and I never seem to remember. Is there any housekeeping this week? And he's nodding and looking guilty. And Okay, so housekeeping this week is... One moment, please. Okay, so we're going to play some Jeopardy music. Only 30 seconds of it because then it's legal. <laughs> he's laughing at me. Um, really cool thing is next week when I record, now you might get it a week later, uh, depending on whether or not we can actually upload it next week. Um, next week, my live studio audience is coming to Florida. He will be here with me for my birthday because my birthday is next week. Yay me. No, not yay me, but yay me that he's coming to celebrate my birthday. Um... So that'll be fun. And, okay, you'll have to bear with the background noises. I've got my window open because I have the fan turned off, so be thankful for that. It is a balmy, beautiful, wonderful 78 degrees Fahrenheit today. So, yeah, it's toasty warm. I went for a mile and a half walk. I the dog. I got some sun. I'm hoping I got some sun. Ah, here we go. Okay. So, oh, wait, no, that was there. Oh, good heavens. We need the spectacle. See, it's a good thing you're not watching this live or like watching a video of it because you'd laugh. I have to put old lady glasses on so that I can see. All right. Everyone, housekeeping number one, everyone can go to Myth Mart and pre-order a copy of Stumbling in Crazy Town. And it will ship on February 8th, which is the release date of Stumbling in Crazy Town by Peggy Gerber. Uh, while you're there, don't forget to grab a copy of the World of Myth Anthology Volume 4. That thing is selling like hotcakes. It is insane. It's, we can't keep it on the shelf. So that tells you it's a good book. I've read Stumbling in Crazy Town. That's a really... You, I'm telling you, it grabs you by the feels. Each poem in that book will connect you to a part of your life, to an experience that you've had, and, and kind of bring it up and, and help you through it, basically. Um, oh, and you can also get a copy of the 2022 The World of Myth calendars. Uh, again, please buy the calendars, support our authors, our, our, our artists, they deserve a little recognition. They deserve the um, accolades and they deserve the royalties that they get from the sale of the calendars. They work hard year round, giving us all the beautiful artwork that you see in our art gallery. And this is their moment to shine. This is their book. They don't get to be in an anthology. They get to be in our calendars. So do me a solid. Go get a calendar. Um, that is all that my live studio audience can think of at the moment. And the website for, oh yes, he, we now have a website for Dark Myth Publications. And I say he, cause you know, that's my department. Um, it is www.darkmythpublications.com. You can go check it out. Books are there. You can see what we're all about, who we are and hang out check it out it's actually it's incredibly i love it 
I, I can't say enough about it. I love it. I think it's a beautifully done website. It has everything there. It's got a boat. It's got the company. It's got books. It's got stuffs. So go check it out. Have a look at it. And you can also send, if you want to be published by Dark Myth Publications, um, we are in the process of accepting submissions for our 2023 lineup. We usually start a year in advance. So this is why we are taking submissions now for 2023 because we took all of our submissions last year for 2022 and we are now in the process of editing and getting those books out to be released to you this year. And we have some good ones coming out this year. So send me a pitch. Send me a pitch. You can send it to publications at jzomondarkmyth.com and who knows you could be published in 2023 what have you got to lose really what have you got to lose look at me i got published <laughs> anyway okay so that is all of our housekeeping for today um i do want to take a moment and pause and do a little salute to all of us female podcasters that started out with male compatriots and they kind of wandered away and now we are taking the reins and running the shows ourselves. I started on the World of Myth Bits with a co-host, Mike. Y'all might remember that. Jenna took over. Jenna and Joe took over and now Jenna has taken the helm and she is running that show herself. And you know what, girl? You got this. You have taken over and taken control and it's your show. It's, I love listening to your show. It is your show. You have got this. You and me, girl, we are the top women in our podcast network and we will stay there. Congratulations and carry on. Okay. Anyway, I'm done with that now. Moving back into what we were um, originally scheduled to do last week, which we didn't. Uh, yes, I am still in Florida. Uh, you all read The Drabble, I hope. If you have it, go over and read it. Called Don't Don't Push the Canadian. Um, suffice it to say, the fictional character is still breathing. And the fictional daughter has not gone to jail. <laughs> but there may be a part two. Anyway, okay. So, this whole topic came about over a conversation that I was having with a good friend of mine. Now, he and his wife are of mixed faith. He follows an Asatru Viking spirituality religious path. She is Christian. And needless to say, her family doesn't like him at all. Thinks he is the devil's spawn. He is going to hell in a handbasket. He's dragging her down with him. And he is good for nothing. Now, I have known this couple for... Oh, dear Lord. Wow. 18 years. Holy moly. 18 years. Anyway. And I have seen them make their relationship work. It's been a struggle at times, but the struggle that they have encountered has never been about faith. 
It has never been about religion. It has never been about their spirituality. We would go to events together and she would be there. She would participate. She would um, stand in circle. But as she stood in circle, she was doing it in her way, with her belief system, speaking to her God, while everybody else was doing their thing. So they've made it work and it hasn't, let me tell you, it hasn't been easy. And I love the two of them to pieces. But they have had um, conflicts with her family, obviously. Um, there was a point in time where her family was trying to step in and get custody of their daughters and um, because they felt that they weren't um, exposing them to appropriate situations. Now, that being said, in all fairness, we did duct tape the two children to lawn chairs and made it look like we were going to roast them. It, it was all in good fun. It was for a Yuletide Christmas card, you know. <laughs> but they have stood their ground and have managed to come out of this. Um, another couple, like I said, when I posted that TikTok, I had an overwhelming response. And it was on both sides of the fence. I had people telling me that um, people of mixed religion, people of mixed faith should not be in a relationship because they will not work. We should stick, stick with our own, basically. Because the one mindset would never understand the other mindset. And um, the cornerstone of a strong relationship is faith, is, is worship together. Now, that's not necessarily true. And as the couple that I was speaking about previously have shown, he would also attend events at her church with her. He would go to service with her. And I think that plays into the difference between religion versus spirituality. Because he could go into that building of bricks and mortar and wood and beautiful stained glass and he could find a common ground. He could connect with his deity, with his higher power within that building. And his wife could worship. And she would go to his events and his ceremonies and his services, for lack of a better word. And she could find a way to connect through that to her deity and worship her deity through what they were doing and connect with her religion through her spirituality. So there are several different religions throughout the world and many of them have their own spiritual texts. As we all know, there's the Quran, there's the Bible, there's those are the two that popped in my head, um, right off the top of my head. Um, Okay, so like I said, the opinions expressed. Okay, so for me, the purpose of religion in general is to unite a group of people under the same values and principles and the same ethics and morals that they all share and to facilitate 
their individual communication with a higher power and a higher belief and a higher philosophy. So in other words, religion was meant to enhance spirituality. It gave you the structure with within which to experience that connection with divinity, that that spiritual connection. Um, that being said, it is entirely possible to be a very religious person and be completely out of touch with spirituality. And, and that, that connection to a true, authentic self. Because when you walk your path, when you, when you walk the talk, like you can't just go to church on Sunday and say the words and sing the songs and do the prayers and, you know, be that holy roller and, and it's all about the Bible. And then Monday morning, you forget everything until Sunday rolls around again. And then you jump back on that moral high horse and you are off to church and you do your thing and you put on that persona. That is not connecting with your spiritual authentic self. That is following the steps of your religion. Your religion states every Sunday you go to church, you sing the songs, you, depending on the religion, if you're Anglican like I was raised, you do commun community communion, holy communion, and you do silent confession where we, we confess as a community instead of going into the, like in the Catholic church, you go into the little booth, you say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. You list your sins. He tells you how many Hail Marys you do, how many Our Fathers, and off you go. Um, living your religion, living, connecting with your authentic spiritual self, you do it every day. Every day. Every day you feel that connection to divinity. You step outside and the sun hits you and the breeze blows by you and you get that shiver that goes through you. That is the divine. That is the magic around you. And you don't need to connect to it in a building or in a forest or in a stream or in a cathedral. You can do it anywhere. Religion facilitates that connection between your authentic spiritual self and divinity. So, again, you can both be religious and spiritual. You can also be religious or spiritual. There's a difference. So now this, there are six, well, there's more, but six fundamental uh, differences between religion and spirituality. And I think Deepak Chopra kind of summed it up the best when he said, religion is belief in someone else's experience. Spirituality is having your own experience. So like I said, you can be religious and you can be spiritual. Um, 
Religion is believing what you read in the holy texts that your religious aspect provides you, whether it's the Bible, the Quran, um, the, Celt the, 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 the Gnostic... Ah! I can hear Crystal screaming at me in my head! <laughs> the Hermetic Tablets, um, the Poetic Eddas, all of that. So religion is the belief that what you're reading, those stories, those personal accounts in those books happened. You believe in somebody else's experience. Spirituality is when you experience that miracle yourself, when you have your own um, religious experience. Now, I have had quite a few of these, I don't know what you'd call them, religious experiences over the years myself. And they have happened when I have walked a Christian path. They have happened when I have walked a pagan path. So who's to say which path is the right path to be on? Because I've experienced, I've had that spiritual connection on both paths. Now, my religion, my belief system is a little different than uh, probably most of the people around me, if not all of the people around me, because I, I was raised in the church. I attended church every Sunday. Um, strangely enough, you know, when I was a child and Christmas would roll around, mom would set up the nativity scene and the little baby, the little, mom actually reminded me of this the other day. When I was telling her of a Christmas that I had experienced recently and we sang happy birthday. And she says, well, of course. And I, I looked and well, yes, it does make sense. And she reminded me that when I was a child and she still does it too, to this day, she still does it. The little baby Jesus, most people, they set up their nativity scene. They put the three wise men, they put Mary, they put Joseph, they put all the animals, they put the manger, they put the baby in the manger. Mom would lose it. If you put the baby Jesus in the manger before Christmas Eve, oh boy, were you in trouble because the baby Jesus was not born before Christmas Eve. The baby Jesus was not in the manger until Christmas Day. So the baby Jesus would sit on the top of the tree. We had an angel on the top of the tree and the baby Jesus would lie in the arms of the angel on the top of our Christmas tree every year. I'm getting goosebumps telling you this, by the way. See, there's that, that, that spiritual moment that I'm telling you about. I am having a personal, profound spiritual moment telling you about my childhood traditions, Christmas traditions. On Christmas Eve, um, my mom and dad would always stay up late because they'd have to, you know, make sure Santa did his job correctly, for any small children that happen to be listening. And it was always after midnight. So the last thing mom would do before she would go to bed is she would take the baby Jesus out of the arms of the angel and she would put it in the manger. Now, when I was little, little, I used to think that um, God would come down with Santa Claus and Santa would fill my stockings and put the gifts under the tree and God would move the baby Jesus into the manger. It was when I was obviously much older that I found out it was my mother that did it. <laughs> 
I also used to think that the rays that came through the sun were windows in heaven and God was opening the window and the light was coming through so people could look down on us. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. I had very, very interesting and very cute, very strange um, spiritual beliefs as a child. So, anyway. Um, I completely lost my train of thought there. Holy crap. So, okay. A lot of times when you tell people that you are spiritual, but not religious, you're kind of greeted with a, a confused face at best. Um, a surprised, a, mm, oh, you're one of those kind of faces. Some people will even turn up their noses and automatically assume that you're a devil worshiper. That, you know, you cover yourself in blood and dance naked under a full moon. <laughs> we don't do that anymore because the blood's really sticky, the bugs stick to you, and it's really hard to wash out of your hair. So they, they kind of struggle to differentiate it from religion, but that is only because people in a modern-day society have a fear of being manipulated and have a lack of knowledge when it comes to non-material subjects. And I don't care who you are, I don't care what you believe, religion and spirituality is a non-material subject. We don't have a physical person in front of us doing turning the water into wine, walking on water, feeding thousands with one fish. We don't have somebody right in front of us where we can watch them do it, giving us a hundred. Well, you know what I mean. Anyway. <laughs> my live studio audience is giving me hand gestures. I think he's kind of impressed at my... my Christian knowledge, <laughs> seeing as I have never actually professed to be a full-blown Christian. I was once. I was disillusioned, um, not only by my church, but I have personal anger against the Almighty. We've discussed this. I do believe I've discussed this in a podcast. I'm not sure. I know him and I have discussed it personally. Um, well, more or less, he kind of sat there while I had a major breakdown. <laughs> and it was kind of, that for me was kind of a breakthrough, which has kind of brought me to where I am today in my spiritual growth and my spiritual path. Um, some of this is actually going to be a surprise to him, but anyway. So people find it very hard to believe. If it's not tangible, it doesn't exist. And the truth of the matter is that spirituality is perhaps the most natural thing there is. It's simply your own conscious self-recognition that you are more than just a body. You are a soul with infinite potential. A wise woman once said, and you shall know exactly who I'm talking about, and you can tell her that I quoted her. A wise woman once said that we are not humans on a spiritual journey. We are spirit on a human journey because when our human body ends and ceases to exist, spirit continues on and starts the next journey, whether it's in heaven, whether it's in Valhalla, whether it's in the Summerland, whatever you 
call that place that you go to when you die. We all believe in a soul. We all believe we have a spirit that carries us into our next life, our next journey. Okay, so the six key differences between religion and spirituality. Number one, there are no rules to spirituality, which when I started out on this path, I wasn't very keen on. I needed structure. I needed rules. But as opposed to the following, a specific ideology or a set of rules, spirituality simply lets you follow your heart. It encourages you to listen to your intuition and do what is right for yourself and others around you. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's the Christian motto. The pagan one is uh, always abide the threefold law, which means the exact same thing because it will come back to you three times three. And the reward for spirituality is simply your own inner happiness. Spiritual number two, number two, spirituality is based only on love and not fear. Dotted throughout religion, there is lots of fear. Fear of going to hell, fear of um, being punished for your sins, fear of the consequences of your actions, fear of what might happen after you die if you don't live your life according to said plan. Well, with spirituality, there's only love. It encourages you to focus all of your energy only on the good and to only and to act only based on love. Now, we had a movement within my community, and it's still kind of there. And I did tell you, my last Spirio, Spirio, Spirio audience, yeah, whatever. <laughs> my live spiritual audience, you over there. <laughs> That's a Freudian slip if there ever was one. Anyway, we had a movement that started... Um, with our friend Carol and moved with our friend Dana. And the question was, and always, always, especially for me, always will be, what would love do? And it's easy to answer that question in a beautiful situation. What would love do? Love would love. In a hard situation, when you are faced with ugliness, when you are presented and attacked with ugliness, your response, your question, your first thought should be, what would love do? In this situation, what would love do? And that's where spirituality comes from. It comes from that place, from that question. What would love do? Would love lash out in anger? Would love curse the person that is, is, is throwing negativity at you, throwing disparity at you. No. Love would love. Now, this is a key point for me because any choice made out of fear will not be good for your soul. Whereas decisions made out of love will empower you, make you braver. It will feed your soul. When you do something from a place of love, you feel good you feel better in yourself and sometimes 
That means walking away from a negative toxic person, walking away from a negative toxic situation, not retaliating, not digging your heels in and being stubborn, but closing your mouth, taking a deep breath and walking away. Now, recently I failed in that area and I got angry and I retaliated and I hurt somebody that I love very, very much. Um, I fixed it and I was going, and you know what? I was going to rationalize my behavior. My behavior was a direct result of their behavior. I should have, in that that situation, when I was being tested, when I was being pushed to my limit, I should have stopped and said, okay, what will love do? What would love do in this situation? And I didn't. So that was my bad. Okay, number three, religion tells you the truth, tells you what the truth is. Spirituality lets you discover it. As opposed to telling you in black and white how the universe was created and why we're here, spirituality lets you discover these questions and answers for yourself. It empowers you to find your own truth in all things and sets no limits to how deep you can go in understanding all there is to know. So, you, like I said, you can be very religious and you are told, okay, God is, is head of it all. He is the be-all, end-all, the almighty, the alpha, the omega. He's it. Or whatever you happen to believe. Spirituality gives you the ability, the ability to go and find him. And there is a quote. I actually, it just popped into my head. And I am going to look it up because I don't want to get it wrong. can actually go out and ask the walking talking bible in my living room <laughs> she will tell me <laughs> she will tell me what it is and where to find it um my nails are too long so it's taking me a minute i can't Um, well, yeah, one of them is, and you always hear people say, if you seek, you shall find. What they don't realize is that actually comes from the Bible. Chronicles 28, chapter 9, or verse 9, not chapter 9, verse 9. I'm an author. Everything's a chapter. And... It's if you seek him, he will be found by you. The easiest place to find him, so they say, is in the Bible. For me, the easiest place to connect to the higher power that rules my life that I connect with is to be out in what was created. The trees, the grass, the birds, the breeze, the rivers, all of it. And when I'm out there in it, that's when I feel connected to my spirituality. Now, 
Oh, this is going to drive me insane. Okay, it's kind of like a... Uh, I can't even remember. You can find me under a rock. You can find me under... You can find me under a log. That was it. And I think it was on the um, Lost Scrolls they just found. You can find... Oh, wow, I can't type... it. <laughs> I just had to know what to put. Okay, so it's actually, let me see. There's numerous um, translations because, you know, the e okay, so the easiest, shortest one, Jesus said, I am the light that is above them. I am the light that is above them all. I am the all. The all that came forth from me and all that attained me. Cleave a piece of wood. I am there. Raise up a stone. You will find me there. So that can connect you. Whatever you're doing can connect you to your spirituality. Find it. He's there. You, you don't need to be in a building. You don't need to be in a forest. That's one of the, the, the ways that you can discover your own spirituality. And that will lead you to whatever religion it is that you follow. Number four, religion separates, spirituality unites. Okay, so there are many religions and they all preach that their story is the right story. Now, there are base similarities between every um, creation story. Spirituality sees the truth in all of them and kind of unites them because the truth is the same for all of us despite our differences and our uniqueness. It focuses on the quality of the divine message that they share, not on the differences in the details of the story. So it looks at each story as a whole and the message behind that particular story, not whether, whatever, you know, not the differences in the story. Number five, the difference between karma and punishment. So instead of talking about punishment or the threat of hell, spirituality talks about karma. It's the law of attraction. You get what you give. Now, you can also, number six, you walk your own path. Instead of ancient stories about angels and gods, spirituality encourages you to make your own path and create your own stories. This sets you on a journey of enlightenment and self-discovery, to which the only limits can be set by yourself. Now, for me, my path, I have taken my Christian teachings that I was raised with, and I have taken what I gleaned from the pagan path that I walked, being able to connect to the energies around me, being able to see the magic in the trees and the grass and the birds and the fish and the water, all of the elements, be taking that and combining the two. I have always believed in one higher power, always. No matter what path I walked, I believed in one higher power. But now, that one higher power carries the balance of the masculine energy and the feminine energy. That is the divinity, the divine for me. Because if anybody who knows me knows, I need balance in my life. <laughs> so to be able to believe 
in something that is balanced helps my little balanced brain. Now, walking your own path encourages you to trust your heart and to follow it where it may lead you. If you look at religion, it all stems from a deep spirituality. Jesus and the prophet Muhammad, for example, all had deeply profound spiritual journeys before they embarked on their own journeys. So I kind of believe that all religion has truth in it and that many people can both be truly beautiful souls and religious at the same time. But ultimately, anything that separates you or creates a division is not good for your soul and definitely not good for the greater good of mankind. Now, spirituality reminds us that we are not separate, that there are no borders, there are no races, and there are no cultural divides. All that is true is that we are all one. And the only constant is love. Now, now that we have defined the difference between religion and spirituality, the question is, you had your religious uh, lesson for today. <laughs> Can an interfaith couple make the relationship work? Now, there are several common mistakes that a couple will make when they are interfaith. One of them is ignoring your religious differences because you believe that love conquers all. Unfortunately, love does not conquer all. And you can't ignore that, you know, this person walks one path and this person walks another path. Now, you... Another mistake is assuming that your differences will be irreconcilable. Nothing is irreconcilable. Um, another one, not addressing faith-based decisions that are not compromisable. Now, some religions are very, very, very stringent on... Um, the sanctity of marriage. They're very, very stringent stringent on baptizing of the children. They're very stringent on weekly um, worship and things like that. That could be a bit of a problem, but it is all compromisable. Um, deciding to cut ties with extended family. I've seen that in relationships. I've seen where it's been, um, it was actually a Christian and a pagan. I know that's a song. But the Christian cut ties with her family, with her mother, with her father, with her brothers, her siblings, with her um, aunts and uncles, her entire family. She cut them off completely because they would not accept him. And after a while, she began to resent him for that. And it, it didn't work. Uh, dismissing concerns from extended family and friends. You need to, especially if there is a difference in religion, you need to acknowledge that your family and your friends are going to be concerned about the relationship with this person in this different belief system. And I know for me, speaking personally, because... Um, I am dating somebody of the Christian faith, and I am of, uh, not exactly sure what to call it, faith at the moment. 
Um, it's in transformation. <laughs> my friends were very, very concerned about uh, me going to visit him and spending a large amount of time immersed in his family and their very religious beliefs. They were very concerned for me because they felt I could be um, impressionable. I could be swayed. Um, I could be convinced to swap sides because I wanted this relationship to work. So I couldn't just poo-poo their concerns and their feelings. I sat with them and I talked with them and they felt much better about it when it actually did happen, when I actually did go and visit. Um, another common mistake is allowing extended family, close friends, and faith leaders to get into the middle of your relationship. See, you can acknowledge their concerns, but you can't allow them to be in the center of your relationship because they're not the ones having the relationship. Another mistake, jumping into conversion is the only solution. Now, okay, granted, my mom did convert to my dad's religion, but it wasn't that big of a leap. She was Catholic. He was Anglican. Not that big of a leap. <laughs> and she was a lapsed Catholic because she was divorced. So, really, it wasn't that big of a leap. Um... Another common mistake is imposing your beliefs on your partner. And I think so far we have done really well in not saying you're wrong. This is how it is. We have been really good about discussing our beliefs, sort of. He's kind of tight lipped about his. But I think that's because he's afraid to express what his beliefs are for fear he may hurt my feelings. Um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Next one is assuming that you understand your partner's relationship with their faith. I don't assume to understand his relationship with his faith. Not even a little bit. Because I know his relationship with his faith has changed drastically over the course of his life. Swaying back and forth from one one extreme to another and all of the facets in between. And I'm going to wait for the nod. I'm assuming he does not assume to understand my relationship. That's he there. See, he doesn't assume to understand my relationship with my faith either. Um, forgetting to explore your own relationship with your faith. So putting your faith aside and not following, not honoring it. I have been doing that much more lately. Um, somebody else needs to, but that is a personal choice. <laughs> okay, neglecting the importance of genuinely accepting your differences. It is very important to accept the fact that you are both of different beliefs, but that you can share similar beliefs as well. Now, here is a big one, a big, big mistake. And it has actually caused a little friction way back in the beginning between the two of us. Um, 
not being open to exploring the similarities between values and belief systems. There was a time when I didn't want to hear it. No, no, you can't. You can't. And he didn't want to hear it either. No, I'm not interested. I don't want to. I don't mess with that kind of stuff. And over time and through conversations, we kind of both went, huh, well, imagine that. <laughs> We're not that different. Um, making a competition out of the holidays. <laughs> now, because we spent Christmas together, Christmas is a big one for him. And strangely, it's a big one for me too. But I also celebrate Yule, which is the 21st. We happened to be on vacation in Big Bear when Yule hit. And surprisingly enough, I wasn't the only one celebrating Yule in that house. Um, so there were other people that... I was the only one doing an, an active activity to honor that. But I was not met with um, disrespect. I was not met with, um, I did it very quietly. It was very, you know, just something that I did. I was just making wishes. The kids asked me what I was doing. Just making wishes. Just making wishes. It's the first day of winter. I'm making wishes. <laughs> you know, and he was very supportive of it. He was, he actually, because I ran out, because I was supposed to have a certain amount of wishes and I ran out of things and I had help. And he did. He came up with a few wishes for me. <laughs> surprisingly enough it was his wish that survived um another common mistake is asking your children to choose between faiths and that is a situation that arose with a couple of my uh, friends of mine um there i think it was trish's mother yeah, it was Trisha's mother-in-law and her great aunt. No, her grandmother's sister, I think. Would that be her great aunt? Yeah, I think it's her great aunt. Twice removed. Great, great aunt. Great, great aunt. Okay, yeah, her grandmother's sister, her great, great aunt. Um, they quartered the girls. And said, okay, you know what? You're both grown. Now is the time you need to decide. You either follow your father's path and that's it. We're done with you. Or you come back to the church and all will be well. And those two girls are so torn up right now. It's, it's insane. So, yeah, you never, ever, ever bring children into it. Let them make their own decisions. If they're raised a certain faith and that's what they follow and that's what they believe, then that's fine. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. If they're curious about the new thing that they're presented with, talk to them about it. That teaches them tolerance. That teaches them compassion. It's not converting them. It's not trying to get them to believe in something different. It's teaching them to be tolerant of other people's beliefs and other people's ideologies. But don't ask them to choose. Um, and choosing to not plan ahead for important holidays and special events. That's another apparent mistake. 
But I think in a situation like that, um, especially if you worship separately, if you have made a conscious decision together to worship separately, then when spiritual situations arise for the one, they make their plans, they do their thing. They say, hey, I've got an event coming up. You're more than welcome to attend with me. But this is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. And your partner then has the choice to say, you know what? No, I'm good. You go do your thing. I'm going to read. I'm going to wash, do laundry, whatever. Um, and vice versa. And a lot of times you'll find that just the simple asking of saying, hey, you know what? Summer solstice is coming up. We're having a bonfire. We're having a feast. We're going to do some stuff. Do you want to come? The simple asking is all that's needed. That person may say, you know what? No, I'm good. But thank you for asking. Thank you for thinking of me enough to want to include me in something that is so spiritually connected to you and means to you. It'd be the same way as if you said, hey, you know what? Um, it's Easter. I'm going to church. Would you like to come with me? You never know. They might say yes. But it's just the simple respect of asking. Now, admitting that you have different beliefs makes it real. The bus just showed up. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, my live studio audience is out and about. Now, admitting that you have different beliefs makes it real. Real? Real is scary. <laughs> real is very, very scary. Especially for those who are afraid of conflict. <laughs> I was giving my live studio audience a look. But it's through healthy conflict that couples evolve and learn how to love each other better. Also, it's never too soon to talk about your beliefs. Ask question, where do they come from? What do they look like in practice? What do they mean to you? You know, things like that. Um, acknowledging the differences and what they mean for your life together. Explore your relationship with your faith. Now, you may have been in the same religion for your entire life, and it's just habit, and you do this, and sit down and explore your faith. There's a difference between identifying with a religion or spiritual practice and how you view and engage that faith. Explore your identity as Muslim, Hindu, Jew, Christian, pagan, whatever. As well as who you are within agnosticism or atheism. What does this belief system mean to you? What does this belief system, how does it impact your life? Have your beliefs and practices changed throughout your life? I know mine have. From who I was when I first stepped onto an alternative path, to who I am now, whole oh, vastly different, vastly different. I completely turned my back on my Christian teachings, on my 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 Christian background and my my belief system when I stepped onto the alternative path. I needed to. I didn't want anything to do with any part of that and anything that was completely different was for me. Now, not so much. It's kind of a mixture 
between the two. Hell, my mom and I were singing um, hymns two nights ago. When we were watching the show, we were singing along with the hymns. Okay, so here are some questions that you need to consider within your interfaith relationship. Did you grow up in a religious or spiritual household? If so, what was practice? And what was your experience like? What brings you peace? Peace. Blah. I had a hard time saying that word. What brings you peace? What helps you get through those tough times? Is it prayer? Is it music? Is it reading? Is it writing? What do you turn to in times of overwhelming grief? Um, have you changed your religious or spiritual beliefs throughout your life? If so, what motivates these changes? What aspect of your religious or spiritual belief do you hold on to tightly? What are you not willing to compromise no matter what? And let me tell you something. You may say that there are things that you are not willing to compromise on when it comes to your religious or spiritual beliefs, but I can guarantee you, you will be presented with a situation where you will. You will consider and compromise Which ones are more flexible? What, okay, how present are you in your religious or spiritual beliefs in your day-to-day -day life? Do you walk your path every single day? Do you get up in the morning and say your devotions? Do you pray before you go to bed at night? Do you bless your food? What do you do? I can honestly say that for a while there, I stopped connecting with my spiritual self. I stopped honoring my spiritual self. And I'm getting back to that. And what are your views on raising children with a particular faith? Those are all things you need to discuss. And has your faith been harmful to you in any way? That's a big one. If your faith is harmful to you, you need to rethink your faith. So number three, and these are all positive things. In a relationship share stories share stories instead of forcing your partner into a belief or a ritual that they don't feel connected to share your experiences with them sharing stories is the best way for your partner to get to know that part of you and understand how meaningful it is to you and if you can recount something and it brings tears to your eyes or it wells up you well up with emotion they will see that connection and they will understand how much it means to you. They may not understand why it means that much to you. But they will understand that it means something to you. It can also take the pressure off a conversation. And it keeps your partner from shutting down. Um, participate before negotiating. It's unfair to commit or reject something that you have not yet experienced. It's important that you show genuine interest and curiosity in your partner's belief and practices. Go with them to the religious service. Observe them as they practice ritual. You aren't making any promises to leave your own beliefs behind and convert. This will simply communicate that you value your relationship. And you are embracing who your partner is entirely. So you're not going to burn in hell if you happen to observe a in bulk ritual or a yule ritual 
and you're not turning your back on your um, monothe mono polytheistic beliefs if you go to church. Therapy is a tool. Talking about faith is personal. It can be tough, no matter how hard you try. Some differences might seem impossible to figure out. You don't have to go it alone. You can seek professional help if it's a real problem. Therapy is a preventative tool for couples at any stage of their relationship. Now, there's a misconception that couples therapy is only for long-term committed couples who are miserable and on the verge of separation. That, my friend, is a lie. And it doesn't have to be that way. If you and your partner are having trouble navigating the faith topic, go to a couple therapists who specializes in helping interfaith couples. Now, you are a unique blend. Research shows that Americans become more religious with age. I think it's pretty much the closer we get to the end of our lives, the more we want to believe that there's something beyond this. So dismissing the importance of your differing beliefs is not an option. You can create your own religious or spiritual identity as a couple. Let it be a blend that works for the two of you and that you protect from the outside world. So you can survive an interfaith relationship. The biggest thing I think, and the biggest problem I think that happens in an interfaith relationship is not necessarily the couple themselves, but the family surrounding the couple especially older members of the family, if they are set in their ways and have a hard time viewing anything outside of their religious beliefs as being acceptable, as being um, okay. And I think as a couple, you need to face that um, issue together as a united front. Yes, I'm different. Yes, he's different. Whatever. She's different. But that's what makes it work. And you have to take that negativity that is being projected from the family members or the close friends and tell it, you know what? Your opinion is your opinion. You are not allowed to inflict your opinion on myself or my family. End of story. And if they don't accept that, then some harsh decisions will probably have to be made. But a lot of times it can be the family that can be the destruction of a beautiful relationship. Because either one or the other can't take the pressure anymore, can't take the the vile, the vileness, the ugliness that is being spewed, and they have to walk away. And it's either the person who's involved in that family and says, you know, unfortunately, this isn't going to work because this is my family and... It's never going to change. 
and I can't take it, or it's the person that the vileness is being spewed at, and they finally just can't take it anymore. They feel isolated, they feel alone, and they have to walk. They have to break from that toxic situation. So when I think when you're faced with, when you're greeted with that kind of negativity from friends or family, you need to address it right at the very beginning. You need to say, no, that's not how this is going to work. That is not acceptable. And you need to do it as a couple. You need to do it as a united front so that they know that you're both in agreement. This is not acceptable. This is not how this is going to play out. You are not allowed to say those things. And I think, especially if you're interfaith, you need to be united. You need to be strong because you are going to be, um, I don't want to say attacked, but questioned from various sides, from both sides, from strangers. How do you make it work? And you can't just say, we just do. They're going to want to know how, because you never know when you're going to come across that person who is contemplating a relationship similar to what you're in. And it could be the relationship of their lifetime, but they're unsure because their partner or their potential partner doesn't share the same spiritual or religious beliefs that they do. So when you're asked, how do you make it work? Be sure that you can answer in a way that gives that person a really good idea of how you make it work and possibly some tools that they can walk away from that conversation with and implement into their own questions. So it can work. It takes work. An interfaith relationship is not as easy as a same faith relationship, obviously, but that doesn't mean that you share different values. It doesn't mean you share different ethics. It doesn't mean you have different morals. It doesn't mean that you are evil. It doesn't mean that you're good. It just means you're different. And I'm pretty sure whether it's God, whether it's Allah, whether it's Zeus, whether it's Odin, whoever, whatever name you give to that higher power, I'm pretty sure he did not create us all exactly the same. Yeah, we all got two eyes. We've all got two ears. We've all got two hands, two feet, ten fingers, ten toes, two arms, two legs, a head, a butt, whatever. Food goes in, food comes out. It's the same for everybody. But we're not the same. We're not. We think differently. We feel differently. We react differently. We were given free will. That's a fun thing. I kind of like free will. So we shouldn't be expected to believe the same way either. Yeah, you can all go to the same church, but I can guarantee you, if you take 10 people in that church, 
and you ask them to describe their belief, they're all going to be different. Because each person takes something different from their religious or spiritual path. There's something fundamentally tangible to that person within that belief system that has drawn them to that system, that has drawn them to that religion or that spirituality that only they connect with. For me, it was feeling the energies and the magics around me and being outside. I've always been an outside person ever since I was a child always been an outside person and to be able to feel a connection to divinity outside in a forest sitting beside a river swimming in a lake feeling the power of the ocean in the waves that's what drew me to a more nature-based path now that i have explored that nature-based path and i have been able to take my connections and the things that I have learned from that path and I've been able to bring them over and I can take the things that stuck with me from my Christian upbringing. I've been able to meld the two together into, I don't know, I don't know what you call it. I don't know what you call it. I don't know. But I say my devotions every morning. I get up. Well, (laughs) lately it hasn't been every morning. It's kind of been early afternoon. But I get up. I thank the powers that be for the fact that I woke up. That I am able to walk on my own two feet. And then I'm able to breathe. I'm thankful every morning. And I say my prayers before I go to bed. And I ask the divine to protect those that I love and to help those that need help. It's what I do. It's what I did when I was a kid. God bless mommy and daddy, grandma and papa. Some days my brother and sister, some days not my brother and sister, depended on what they did to me that day. I was little, you know, sibling rivalry, but I I do that now. And I've started, I used to talk to divinity all the time. No matter where I was, we always had a conversation going. And it was more of a, oh, hey, I meant to tell you kind of conversation instead of a, you know, head bowed, hands clasped in prayer. My conversations with the divine were never a prayer. It was always a conversation. I treated my connection to divinity like I was talking to an old friend, not a teacher or, you know, an authority figure. It's an old friend. And for me, that's how it should feel. Somebody that you can turn to, that you can go to with whatever, whatever is on your mind. And I think in an interfaith relationship, you need to understand who that person is, what that looks like for each person. So when you're faced with a situation, an example for you, when my dad was dying, I was very much a part of the pagan community. Um, Throughout that entire summer, as he was battling the cancer, 
well, he wasn't really battling the cancer. He was dying from the cancer. Um, I was going to events. Dad wanted us to continue on the way we were. I'd already scheduled these events. I'd already paid for these events. I was only at most two hours away. So if the call came, I could whip home. Um, but every event that I went to, everybody knew what was going on with my dad. So there was a moment of prayer where we all would circle around the fire. We would hold hands and we knew my dad was at the point of no return. So it was more of a prayer of an easy passing that he wouldn't suffer. And the morning I got the call, came home, he was in, I've, I've told you this story before, he was in a coma for a week and I think it was on the Wednesday that his lungs were filling up and he was drowning and he was making these horrible noises. And my mom, who is very, very, very Christian, Bible beside her bed, reads it every night, very Christian, looked at me and said, help me. What, what help we need to help your dad. My mom held my dad's hand and she prayed. I put my hands on my mom's back and I did my version of praying. My dad's lungs cleared up. Now, I'm not saying we did that, but that's a flat out miracle. That was a flat out higher power miracle you cannot convince me of anything else that was a miracle the doctor came in the next morning and listened to his lungs and went holy crap he could not believe the stage my dad was at the fact that his lungs were filling up that was the next step he was going to drown that was the next step of the disease and his lungs cleared up and my mom, and you can ask my mom today, she will tell you flat out that was a miracle. That my mom's, and that was the moment, I think, for my mom as well. She turned and she looked at me and she said, if my God can believe in you enough and have faith enough in what you do to work with you to help your father, your choices are okay by me. And from that moment on, she's accepted who I am. And she has been one when I have had a spiritual struggle um, that I go to. And we have incredible theological discussions on meanings in the Bible and interpretations of certain passages in the Bible. And when I had that breakdown that I was telling you about earlier, <laughs> I, was, I was telling... Uh, my live studio audience about my when I turned my back on God when I had that breakdown breakthrough I went to my mom and got my dad's bible and I read the two chapters that were recommended to me Esther and I can't remember what the other one was off the top of my head and my mind was calm and I made a decision throughout a whole, it's been a long time, a long period. And I am very happy with where I am. I will still worship with my sisters the way that we always have. Because I'm not betraying who I am. I'm honoring a part of who I was. And I'm honoring a part of 
what brought me to where I am today. I will go to church with my mom and I will sing the songs. And when the pastor at the church says, um, and God is with you and the congregation responds and also with you, I will respond because I'm not betraying who I am. That is who I am. I am both. I am a mix of both. And the minute that I decided, not really decided, but accepted, I felt much better. Surprise. (laughs) Now, it's not so much me accepting me anymore. It's those in my life accepting me for who I am and how I am. And I think as long as I don't start bathing in blood and dancing under the full moon, I'm, I'm okay <laughs> in the acceptance department. Yeah. <laughs> At least by him. Well, there are others that it remains to be seen, but that's okay because in all reality, the opinions of the small-minded do not matter. They don't. The hypocritical small-minded, mind you. But this kind of turned into a thing. This whole, it kind of veered away from where I wanted it to go and took on a life of its own. Um, But there is a big difference between religion and spirituality. But they are connected. And an interfaith relationship can survive if you are both willing to acknowledge that you are an interfaith relationship and not pretend that you're not, not ignore that you're not. It can work and it can be beautiful and it can be strong and you can create your own spiritual journey together based on the faith of each other, supported by the faith of each other. So, like I said, the opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the company or of the podcast network. So don't come at them with the hate mail, come at me. Speaking of which, you can find me. I suppose I should do where you can find me. I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> you can find me on Facebook at Lupa Barty. You can find me on Facebook at Stephanie J. Barty. You can find me on... I was going to say Twitter, but I've kind of lost my Twitter account, so I have to find them again. So don't go looking for me. You can find me at Lupa B. Uh, you can find me at the World of Myth magazine. You can find me at Lupa's Bits, the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find me on TikTok. I'm at Lady Lou Who, or the latest one, Lupa's Bits, the TikTok. I do have a TikTok for Lupa's Bits, and it delves into a little more of the personal things that I discuss on the podcast that I can't necessarily say on the podcast. Um... 
It gives updates on upcoming podcasts and just goofy little stuff that I do. So check me out on there. And uh, yeah, so next week when I do the... Oh, hold on. Hold on. Next. Yes, okay. So next week... Um, when I, I may not be podcasting because I will be picking somebody up from the airport at 6.07 a.m. in the morning. That's when his plane lands. <laughs> Very excited. <laughs> you have no idea. Um, so there may not be a podcast next week. There may just be a three-minute or a five-minute TikTok with the two of us going, Hey, y'all, here we are in Florida. Me. Because <laughs> the rest of the country seems to be frozen at least in Canada. Um, But yes, my live studio audience will once again be live and in person. Um, So, okay, that's it for this week. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to talk about next week. There is no Florida man or Florida woman this week because I wanted to keep this as serious as I possibly could. So next week we will return to our regularly scheduled programming of fun, frivolity, and Florida man. All right, everybody. Have a good week, and we will see you all. See ya. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Don't you cry.